Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode five of Yes Way with me, Daniel Weingarten. Thank you all for coming back, checking in, tuning in, first time, fifth time, fourth time, third time, whatever, whichever one it is. I appreciate y'all uh, tuning in. If uh, you know you left a review and a rating last time, thank you. If you haven't yet, please go ahead and do so. Right? If you're, this is your first time listening, you're like, honestly, Daniel, I don't even know if I'm gonna like this, so I'm not gonna do. A, a rating or a review before I decide, well, fair. So go ahead, listen. If you enjoy it at the end of this, give me a little rating and a review. Get on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review, help this thing grow. YouTube, subscribe to the channel. You know the things that you gotta do. You know the things that you've heard a million times in the beginning and the end of videos. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna waste your time anymore on that. Uh, but yeah, obviously all that stuff makes a difference and I, Really appreciate it. Um, so thanks for tuning in this episode five. I uh, feel feeling good. I feel good about the episodes that we've been putting out so far. This has been fun. It's kind of like a journal, is what I'm starting to realize, right? I kind of, as I'm getting ready to, the way, what I essentially do when I when I do these podcasts, I kind of, I'm going through, as I go through my week, I'm taking notes of things that are happening, things I may want to talk about, things I come across, um, and then I, I write them down, and then at the end, I just have these like note cards with just like little bullet points, and I just kind of go off, and whatever happens, happens, but it, it ends up being like a little journal of, uh, of what's going on, and where like my headspace is at, and all that, uh, so I think that is pretty cool and pretty interesting. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to start with this today because I didn't realize, I, I didn't realize how much it impacted me, uh, truly, you know, until, in, until I really sat down and, uh, and thought about it yesterday. Um, I was over, uh, at, at a birthday party. It was a kid's birthday party. And, you know, there are children there, and I'm playing basketball. They're playing basketball, and this one kid, you know, he, he wants me to play. So we're, you know, we're playing some basketball. And at one point, he looks at me and he goes, "Man, your shoes are weird." It's a nine-year-old child, and he looked at my shoes and he go, "Yo, your shoes are weird." Now, they're not weird, first of all. Okay, they're just a pair of high-top black Converse's. I think not weird. Cool, if anything. And by the way, that right there is the is the thing. I got defensive. The kid was like just telling me my shoes are weird. This is a nine-year-old child. And I took his criticism and I felt affected by it. I mean, it was a true like defensiveness. Like I became a child again. I was like, no, your shoes are weird. And he's like, nah, these are, you know what these are? These are Kyrie's as in Kyrie Irving, he was talking to me like I didn't know who Kyrie Irving was. Oh, just one of the top basketball players in the NBA right now? Yeah, dude, I'm not so old. Plus, old people watch sports. Old people know more about sports than you do, but you know that nine-year-old confidence, that nine-year-old, like, I know everything, and you probably don't know everything that I know, and your shoes are weird. Bro, I am going to break your ankles with those Kyries. Let's ball. I didn't break his ankles, but he, you know, this nine-year-old kid just really hit me at my core, hit my targeted my insecurities because I finally feel like in life I dress semi-cool. I'm going semi-cool, you know, like I'm on my way to cool. I'm not totally cool by any means, but like you know, it's it's cool. It's 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 cool. It's not not cool, you know. But growing up, I was never really cool at all in the way that I dressed. I thought it was, I thought, 
I thought I was so cool when I was a kid, but I had no idea. Because here's the thing. My definition of cool when I was a kid was purely based off of what I saw in television and film. Like anything. If it was on TV, I was like, that's that's cool. And the issue with that was that I thought everything was cool if it was on TV, even if it wasn't cool, right? So like I got frosted tips because Justin Timberlake had frosted tips and because Guy Fieri had frosted tips. So I got frosted tips for the right reason and the wrong reason. I thought both were equally cool. That was, I remember when that happened. I was going, I was actually, I changed schools in middle school. I changed schools in middle school. I was going into seventh grade and I wanted to get frosted tips. This is going to be my new look for a new school, a new me, you know? So I went to the Yellow Balloon here in, in LA, some Studio City on, on Ventura, the Yellow Balloon. And, you know, I went there with high hopes, inflated hopes, one might say, like a balloon. You know, I thought I was going to be flying high like a balloon. I thought I was going to be floating, ephemeral feeling, just above the clouds, looking down, God-like, like a balloon. And I went in there, and I went to the hairdresser, and I was like, I want, I want frosted tips. And she told me, we can't give you frosted tips uh, because your hair isn't long enough. Like I had short, spiky hair all around, but it wasn't long enough for there to be tips. My hair length was, I had only, I only had the tips in length. I didn't have, you know, a little excess and then a tip. Frost, I was, it was just going to be frosted. I went, no, I don't care. I want frosted tips. Cause you know, when you're a kid, when you're a kid and you want something, you don't care if somebody tells you that, you know, that it's not going to work or that it's going to be weird if you get it, right? You're just like, I want it, so give it to me, right? You don't care. What does an adult know? I, you're that nine-year-old kid. Oh, you know who Kyrie Irving is? Oh, I'm not, I don't have hair long enough to have frosted tips? Yes, I do. Give it to me. Dámelo. Por favor. Please. So I was like, give me the frosted tips. And she was like, oh, okay. And my mom, you know, she didn't want to, she, she wanted me, you know, to be happy, so, you know, they put the stuff on your hair when they do the frosted tips. And then they put you under the, like, the hair dryer thing. And I think that, I think I must have pissed her off. I think I must have had child attitude. And I did to that hairdresser what this kid did to me. Because she left me under there for too long. So my frosted tips weren't frosted. They became, like, an orange kind of, kind of color. So I had, like, orange hair. And I looked like like a like if Lucille Ball was a porcupine. Like I just had this this burnt orange, you know, spikiness. And I went home, and my dad saw it. My mom let me leave looking like that, and I think she just told me that it looked good so that I wouldn't freak out. But I got home, and my dad, he doesn't play games. My father does not lie. He looked at it, and he goes, "No, no, 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 no. We gotta go get this fixed." I'm trying to remember what happened, but it was like they fixed it, but they didn't totally fix it. And then I, I went to the new school and, you know, I just I had that hair. And then it was uh next thing I know, got to take a yearbook photo. And that yearbook photo with the horrible hair, with the horrible spikes looking looking off. And it wasn't cool back then. I feel like now in 2019, middle schoolers would get their hair like burnt orange. It's like, ooh, that's cool. But back then it was I mean, definitely was not cool. And. I think I, I'm trying to remember if I owned it. It's so funny how when you look back at your childhood, 
you you try to analyze it and you're like, but who was I really as a kid? What was I? What was my? What was I truly feeling? What was my true perspective? Here's the thing: I was not cool, and I definitely felt bad for myself. But I think there was a part of me that was just like, nah, um. I'm dope. Everyone else doesn't know. Because I was like an older young kid, you know? Like when I was a freshman in high school, all my friends were seniors. So I didn't, I never really, I never got along with kids my own age. But then those those older kids graduate and then you just don't have friends. (laughs) Which is kind of what happened in high school. I didn't didn't really have like a friend group in high school. I recently had my 10-year high school reunion and somebody messaged me uh, from high school and they were like, hey, you know, I'm reaching out uh, to different people from different groups in our class so that we can, you know, really get in touch with as many people in the class for the reunion. So I wanted to reach out to you. And I was like, what what friend group do you think that I was a part of that I had? I don't really keep in touch with anybody from high school at all. I remember I would sometimes not like I wouldn't feel like I had a place to sit at at lunch. So I would just pretend to be on the phone having conversations with my mother. Like I thought that was that was a cool way to get out of not having somewhere to sit at lunch. Like, ooh, it's fine. This isn't embarrassing. I'm talking to my mom. Okay. And it was always, I remember whenever I talked to my mom, it was always something serious. Like I would be on the phone with my mom and I'd be like, okay, but, but, but is everything okay? No. All right. Okay. But what happened? Ma? Tell me what happened. Right. And then I'm just like, I'm very serious and something's going on and nobody's paying attention to me. I'm just the kid on his phone looking serious, talking to his mom during lunch. So I was, I had, my parents felt so bad for me. Uh, I'm trying to think, did I already mention this on a podcast? I, if I did, I apologize. I'm really blanking if I did or if I did not. But I I had such few friends in high school that my parents pitched me on having a party at our house. I think I did talk about this, but they were like, hey, do you want to have a party at our house? And I was like, yeah, um, sure. But I really didn't. It scared me. I was like, all oh, these kids are going to be over and what if they break something and they make a mess? Like I Like the cops showed up and I was relieved. Like most kids are like, oh no, the cops. I was like, oh, thank God, the cops. Um, I just, I, yeah, you know, and they, when you're a kid, they tell you it'll get better and you don't believe it. You think everything when you're a kid is just the biggest thing in the entire world. Everything that happens to you as a kid is the end of the world. The smallest thing is the biggest thing. And it's just all over. And then you get older and you look back and you're like, oh, that was nothing. But now if something happens, it's the end of the world. But then it's like, it's the same thing, right? When you're a kid, everything that you think is going to be the end of everything. You end up looking back at it and you're like, oh, why did I ever worry? And yet for some reason we don't learn our lesson. For some reason we become adults and we're like, yeah, but that doesn't apply anymore. It's like, yes, it does, right? It, it does a lot of the time. A lot of the things that we get anxious about or we freak out about are things that in retrospect, down the line, we're going to look back and be like, why did I worry? And yet we continue to worry. We continue to freak out and think that it's the biggest thing in the world that's going to end it all. And in some cases, yes, things things do are you know bigger in magnitude, and I don't want to lessen those things. But there are things that are fixable. Things that if we really take a step back and we're like, is this something that down the line I may like look back at and be like, why am I freaking out? Probably. I I I I've been like trying to break down my anxiety recently and I'm sure some of you guys deal with anxiety. I feel like everyone deals with anxiety to a certain extent. And there's, you know, like different types of things that 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 trigger it. Um and it's always just stuff that's like just take a step back. And if you were giving your someone else advice, what advice would they would you give them if they were dealing with, with what you were uh dealing with yourself? 
and we don't treat ourselves the same way. We don't give ourselves the benefit of the doubt sometimes that we would give to other people. It's like I talked to with my therapist. She's like, Are, you need to be kind to yourself. We forget that sometimes, right? We, we, we hold ourselves to these impossible standards that we would never hold anybody else, people that we care about, people that we believe in, people that we do hold to high standards, but we create this impossible standard for ourselves sometimes. I'm not saying everybody, but but a lot of us do, I think. And it's like, just 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 be kind to yourself. Take a step back and ask yourself, am I, am I creating the worst possible situation outcome that could come of this current situation, the worst possible outcome, even though it's not real, but then making it real in my mind and suffering, even though it doesn't actually exist? Um, yeah, probably. It, so like, don't wait, wait to see what happens. Don't deal with like a made up future that isn't a reality yet. If that, that becomes reality, then deal with it. But like, what's the point of feeling anxious and suffering over things that aren't actually real yet? Wow. This started with a nine-year-old telling me my, that my shoes looked weird. <laughs> and here we are just breaking down the inner workings of, of the mind, I guess. Well, let's 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 lighten it up a bit for a second. Why don't we? So, uh, a couple days ago was my sister's birthday. Happy birthday to my sister Vanessa. Wonderful, wonderful woman. Quarter century old now. Sounds makes it sound old. She's twenty five. She's young. She's good. And uh, for her birthday, we went to the beach. And, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the beach. Grew up in LA. I'm scared. And I, I have this like fear of the sun. I think it comes from when I was a kid. We went to Mexico one time. I got super burnt, burnt so bad that I just had to stay in bed. And uh, the only DVD that we had was 10 Things I Hate About You. So I watched that about eight times over two days. That was about the, the extent of, of my entertainment. Love that movie, by the way. That wasn't a bad thing, but the sunburn was bad. So I feared the sun. Didn't really go to the beach a lot. Turns out my mom is scared of the ocean, so she passed that down. But I've been trying to be better, go to the beach, not be so afraid of the sun. You know, uh, I think my skin... I know they say sun. See, sun is bad for the skin is what they say, right? But when you're translucent like me, maybe it's a little good just to get just to get a little just a little character, you know? Um, but we went to the beach and I'm walking, you know, on the sand as one does at the beach. And I'm walking on the sand and I step on something. I step on something in the sand. And uh, you know, I look down my foot. It's like a little it's like a little splinter. So I have a little splinter in the bottom of my foot. Now, here's the thing. This is the point in the podcast and the point of the story where I'm like, you know, I went back to where we were sitting and I'm like, oh, I got something in my foot. And then my sister's like, well, let me see if I can find some tweezers. And it was all pretty normal. Look, did I possibly maybe potentially exaggerate the pain that I was feeling in the moment? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be honest, right? Was it as bad as I was making it out to be? No. It was a little splinter. Does it hurt? Yeah. Sometimes small things hurt. Paper cuts, they can hurt like a bitch sometimes, right? They, you know, it was it was hurting a little. It was a little bit of pain. Did I maybe exaggerate it a little bit? Yes. Okay. I think, I think, I think that that may have happened, right? But it, I wasn't like, I was like, ah, oh, my foot. You know, I was like, oh, my foot. It really, ah, no, you know, I, I could have, I, I could have. I could have womaned it up, you know, for that. I say womaned it up because women deal with pain way better than men. People say, like, man up. Yo, woman up, bro. 
woman up. The, the women deal with pain so much more. And by the way, we'll get to the point of the story where like this just reaffirms that. So my sister goes to find some tweezers so we can take it out because it's that small. You can't take it out with nails. Like we find some tweezers. And she, then she just disappears. And next thing I know, she reappears with a lifeguard. And the lifeguard shows up and, you know, looking like a retired Baywatch uh, Baywatch guy, just like, like he looked like he was on Baywatch when Baywatch was out and he's just still a lifeguard. Like he's jacked, but he's like old man tan jacked where he looks like, 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 like he's got wrinkles and veins in his arms that just track together. Um, and he walks up really nice guy and he's got a full on first aid kit, like, like a case, like an ice box sized case. And he's like, well, uh, I heard we had a we had a we we have a a, a potential fatality uh, over here, and I'm like, oh no! What did she say? What did she say? She make it out like I was just being the worst. He's like, well, you know, let's uh let's go ahead and check out the situation. We want to monitor this. We want to make sure that uh, we remain we we have a pulse. We don't have any blood loss. Uh, what's going on? Please assess me of the situation. And I told him I was like, look, man, I just. I got a little splinter on the bottom of my foot. It's not a huge deal. I just, you know, just need some tweezers to, like, take it out. And I think by the time the lifeguard came out, I had been, like, messing with it and had already taken it out. So it was pretty much gone. So, like, he didn't need to come. But he came over, and then, you know, he's like, all right, well, show me the uh, the injury site. Show me the wound. And when he told me, look, let me see the injury site, and I flipped my foot over, and I went, it's right here, and I showed him the bottom of my foot, I'm like, it's right here, and he's like, I don't, I don't see anything, I'm like, it's in this area, he's like, yeah, it must be really small, because I do not see anything, right, um, and when he was telling me that he didn't see anything, I've never felt more embarrassed, well, I definitely have felt more embarrassed, but I was embarrassed, I was like, I was like, oh, God, there's this whole thing. It's like calling an ambulance for a sprained ankle. It's like, this wasn't necessary, and yet here you are. So he then goes, all right, well, uh, the splinter's taken care of. And I'm like, yes, the splinter is is taken care of. And he goes, okay, well, um, if you'd like, uh, I can go ahead and disinfect the wound and sanitize it um, because, you know, the beach is not very clean. And when he said sanitize the wound, uh, wow, that really that, that really got me excited. It did. I'm going to be honest, you know, because I love the idea of just of, of things being sanitized. As you know, as a germaphobe, if you tell me you can sanitize something on my body, I'm going to say yes. I'm not going to I'm not going to miss out on the opportunity to be sanitized. That's like telling someone who loves pizza, listen, I can make you a pizza right now if you want in a, in a, in a wood brick oven. 100% I'm going to say yes. Give me the sanitation. So he pulls out uh, some saline solution, sprays it down. Keep in mind, I mean, we're talking a splinter that is a millimeter in, 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 in diameter, right? Just a millimeter. Saline solution, wipes it down. Then he gives me some like Neosporin. And he told me, he's like, I'm just going to, you know, sanitize it and put a Band-Aid on it is what he said, right? Just to, you know, kind of protect it or whatever. Fine. He puts on, we put, I put on the, 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 like the Neosporin or whatever, the, the ointment. Um, and then he gives me like a little, little piece of, uh, like a little, like, uh, nonstick gauze, I guess. I don't know if it was nonstick, but like a little piece of gauze to put on top. And then I think he's going to pull out some tape, right? And that's it. And we're done. This dude pulls out an ace bandage 
an ace bandage, all right? Just like a full-on, like what you use to wrap real injuries with. And he wraps my foot in the ace bandage, and I looked like I had sprained my foot. It's like he gave me a wrap for a sprained foot. Like I had just... I had just injured myself in game five of the NBA finals. And I'm like, but I got to play coach. And then the, 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 the guy, the, 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 the doctor on call wraps up the foot. Like I, I treated this splinter. Like I was an injured athlete. Like I, like I was at war. Like I need to keep, I need to keep fighting. Except in this case, the fighting was just drink a little bit more rosé and walk along the beach to make sure that I'm good, you know? Cause Hey, you know, there's stuff out there, fleshing bacteria, MRSA, who knows? But I definitely felt, I felt, I felt bad. I, it felt excessive. It certainly felt excessive, but my foot's okay, guys. So I think that's the important thing. I think the important thing is that my foot survived and my foot is okay and everything's going to be good. But what he said when he came over was he's like, you know, uh, I kind of, I kind of assess the situation depending on whether uh, it's a man or a woman because, uh, you know, if, if, if it's a woman and she she says, uh, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. I'm like, oh, whoa, this is this this is serious. This is the lifeguard talking. Oh, this is this is serious. But if a man is like, you know, telling me he's in pain, I'm a little bit skeptical. He's like, I was at Venice Beach the other day and uh, there's a big, big, you know, buff dude. And he got he got stung by a by a ray. Right. Well, stingray, I guess, right? He's like, got stung by a ray. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. And I was like, he's like, whoa, calm down, buddy. And he told me that story. I'm like, I, I mean, he got bit by a stingray. That sounds, that sounds bad. I understand him. Um, but yeah, the things that the women just deal with pain significantly better. Cause I, I they just do. They ju- they just do. I know there'll be dudes like no, um, bro, nah, nah. It's like in it's in them. Women just have that ability to deal with pain and sickness and complain less about it. And I'm I'm not I'm and that's just that's that's a fact. <laughs> As is 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 a, is a scientific. Fact. I don't have a scientific fact, but uh, but yeah, women just deal. I think I think deal with pain. Or I'm just super weak. That's, that's a possibility too. I have just been conditioned to not deal with pain well, but I think there's, there's, there's enough, enough, enough examples out there. Take a woman with a flu and a man with a flu and look at the difference. There's a difference. Okay. One is on the couch, like he's about to die. And the other's like, Oh, I, I got shit that I still need to get done. And I'm going to, I'm going to go about my day. So, you know, there's that. Um, I, I, okay. I got two more things, two more, two more, two more things. And then, and then a question uh, on this podcast. All right. These two things, these are just things I saw on the internet that I just wanted to address one short and one, we're going to watch a video or listen to a video in a second. Okay. So I just saw a a article pop up, uh, TMZ article pop up on Facebook that said Kylie Jenner unfollows Jordan Woods on Instagram. Who cares? Who, 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 who cares? 
Why are we, why, who's monitoring this first of all? Like, do they just have somebody at TMZ? They're like, they're an Instagram reporter. They are just monitoring all of these accounts and they just have bots tracking the follows and the unfollows. It's like, there's enough news in the world. It's not like, it's not like shit isn't happening in the world right now. There, there is, there, there is constantly drama in the world. There's a, there's, 48,000 Democratic presidential candidates. There are more celebrities than there ever have been that are doing crazy things because everyone's doing crazy things for attention. And we're talking about unfollowing on Instagram. Who cares if they don't get push notifications on a pic anymore? Who cares? And then I clicked on it and there was like 4,000 comments and I go, we're done. We are done as a species. And I know 4,000 is a small number, but that's, that's a lot of comments. For that, what is happening? What is happening to this world? This world, man. It's just, it's just too much. It's just too much sometimes. All right, the other thing. I, uh... I actually enjoy flying. For somebody that has as many like neuroses and fears as I do, I actually enjoy flying. I don't deal great with turbulence, to be honest. But I think in like my heart of hearts, at my core, I know that everything's gonna be okay when I get on a plane, right? So, but then I see videos like this. This is a video of a plane that had to do an emergency landing because the engine, there was engine, there was there was engine failure pretty much right so this is the the, the news report on it and let's just let's just break this down and look at this real quick Start over. Now to that crazy sight caught on camera, a passenger sharing this video from a Delta flight showing part of the plane rattling around nope. one of its engines. No. Nope. an emergency landing. Okay, first of all, that it's rattling around. You see that outside your window. You're living a modern day Twilight Zone episode and you decide, you know what I'm gonna do right now? I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna record this. I have I have to record this. I'm gonna get my phone out so I could post it on the gram right, which Kylie Jenner won't look at because she unfollowed Jordan Woods. So I could post this on the gram um, in the afterlife. If I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, oh, it's over. Let me see if I got some cell reception, some bars. I can send my final text and tell the people that I love that I love them. But no, let's, let's record this for posterity. Also, it is rattling around. Can you imagine how loud that was? The sound of death just knocking at your window? That's why I don't sit right by the wing. I try to avoid the wing because stuff goes, it'll shatter the window, it's coming through. I'm not, no. I'm, although I heard the middle of the plane is the, is that, I think it's the safest place to sit on an airplane. I might just be making that up. Um, but, or it's the most dangerous. I don't know. But I guess if stuff flies out, it's going to go to the back of the plane. So maybe the back. If you guys know the answer to this, please comment below. Let me know where the safest place to sit on an airplane is. I got some flights to book. So. Let me know. Um, all right, let's keep watching. Looking out the window, David Curley has the latest on the investigation. Yeah, she's in it. A frightening sight for passengers. An engine blown, and then I love, I love the voice, the the voices of the journalists, because like the journalist before, she's just kind of, and now back to Rick with the with the report, right? Just like a normal person, and then it's just like, then it's Rick. He's like a frightening view out of this window. I, 
don't actually talk like this, but there's something about still retaining the voice of somebody from 1947 that works just right. Let's go ahead now, back to Max with the weather. Um, all right, let's keep going. And the nose cone from that engine still tumbling inside. After we heard the boom, we just saw all the smoke come up into the cabin, and that's when we really nope. started freaking out. The captain announces yeah. the engine loss. And Good. I, I really start freaking out that they're, they are human beings. Sometimes human beings don't get interviewed on the news. Sometimes they interview people and the reactions, I'm like, you're, you're, you're a robot or an alien because you seem way too calm. Like, there, if anybody goes on, on this plane and experiences this and then afterwards they're like yeah i was cool i wasn't worried about it i thought everything was gonna be okay bro you peed yourself you did a pee pee in your pants a little a little sharp maybe a little pee pee in your pants for sure and you're just trying to cover it up it's okay you were scared they were scared i appreciate that honesty and flight attendants start preparing the passengers for an emergency landing Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Each passenger asked by the flight attendants to show that they know the bracing. Okay, this is great. All right. First of all, someone's videoing all this. So they're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get this video. Same thing as before. I don't know why people are videoing this. I don't know how, how somebody can be calm enough to be videoing this. Also, people seem to be very calm. So maybe it didn't seem that bad. But I hear emergency landing. But in the video, the guy is, the camera's pretty much his point of view. It's following. And you can see everybody looking at the safety packet, right? Like the, the safety uh, guidelines. You can see everyone because no one reads it. And then they always do the safety presentation at the beginning. No one's paying attention. They're like, nah, I'm going to start watching Marley and me right now. I'm going to listen to this podcast instead of paying attention to you. No, nah, I'm, I'm paying attention. No, you're not. And then moments like this come. People are like, oh, look, don't, let me learn. Let me learn under pressure what I got to do. And then the flight attendants have to go by. And they, I think, what is it? We got to make sure you got the position down, right? This is like a dance rehearsal. This is like a dance class. We got to make sure that you got the move down, that you know what you're doing. Everyone's got the brace position. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't read the safety, the safe, the safety guidelines. And that's part of the fear. Cause you're just like, I don't, I don't, uh, 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 what do I, uh, what, what do I, what do, what do I do? What, what 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 do I do? This is my nightmare. This is this is my nightmare. I literally had a nightmare the other night where I was like, "Oh, we're going down and we're going to die." And I think in the nightmare I accepted death, but I don't think in real life I would accept death. I think in real life I would just be crying and I would just be freaking the f out and I would just be like, "Oh my god, I'm going to die. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to die." Um, but yeah, let's position. She's, she, she show, she's showing the person. She's giving a presentation. These flight attendants are so calm. That's how I actually monitor something on a plane. I'm always looking at the flight attendants, right? That's why maybe people were calm because they're doing the same thing. If if there's like bad, if there's turbulence, I look to the flight attendant and I look to see if they're calm because if the flight attendant is calm. That means they're like, this is normal. This is something that happens. I know everything's gonna be okay. This is this is this is you know down the middle ordinary stuff. But if you see a flight attendant freak out, if you see fear in the eyes of a flight attendant, then you really need to start worrying because that's when things are about to go down. Uh, and maybe maybe one of those things is the plane. Yes. Forward, the flight from Atlanta to Baltimore quickly diverting for this Looks emergency landing in Raleigh-Durham. 
Also, I wonder if pilots go through training because I feel like the plane, they could know that we're all going to die. And the pilot is still going to be like, all right, everyone. So uh, we are now going to go down and do an emergency landing into the Mojave Desert um, where the impact will kill us. But stay calm, tighten your seatbelts, and go ahead and take the oxygen mask that's going to drop from above. Emergency vehicles respond. Later, finally landing in Baltimore, the passengers recount their anxious moments. I just texted my mom, I love you. Yeah, dude. I texted my dad, I love you. Hell yeah, dude. Fucking, I love you. They picked good interview subjects for this one. Really good interview subjects. Honest, wholesome. I got nothing to make fun of about them. They they look, a, you could see their eyes look a little bit. Like, look at their eyes. Look at... Look, look at his eyes when he talks. I mean, he is just, he thought he was going to die. Look, look, look at his eyes. He looks, he looks like he saw the light, right? He's like, I guess I'm a, look at where they put the mic on him. I don't even think he knows that they put the mic on him. I think that he thinks he's wondering right now, is this real life or did I die? Which one of these? I don't think I can do my 18 realms of golf. I think I can maybe do nine at best. And then I don't know if that's his girlfriend or his sister or his wife or, you know, or friend, but she's looking at him like, hey, bro, we're on TV. Maybe just put on a, maybe bring some life into those eyes. Love you. I text my dad. I love you. All right. Quite the sight to see that engine nose cone from the end of the shaft still bouncing around in that engine. It's been taken off the aircraft, being shipped to Atlanta. Not quite the sight. Quite the sight. That's no. The, the nose cone tumbling around in the engine is not quite the sight. You know what quite the sight is? Uh, a beach in Bali, right? Mount Rushmore, the Grand Canyon, right? Uh, a, a, a beautiful ancient rock in Colombia. That is quite the sight. The pyramids in Egypt, that is quite the sight. A nose cone tumbling around in the engine is the complete opposite of that. And I'm, I'm going to need you to... Uh, <laughs> to reassess your description of it. Everything, quite the sight. Ugh, that murder, quite the sight. <laughs> so, anyway, that was, uh, that's, that's, that's the plane. I hope that never happens to, uh, to any of you, to any of us, uh, because if it does, oh boy. Um, but we'll probably be fine. We'll probably be fine. Like, it's crazy, actually, when you think about it, like on those commercial planes, how many things have to go wrong for it to go down and for you not to survive. It like things can go completely awry and there's so many like fail safes in reality. And I think if you know that you can calm down a little bit and you can like, you, you can maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Or everyone's just putting on a front, but I would shit my pants if I saw that just straight shitted a thousand percent. Um, all right, so uh, we're reaching the end of uh, this podcast episode. Uh, there was one question that I picked out for this week, um, so I'm going to go ahead and do that real quick. And someone asked me what one of the most embarrassing rejections that I've ever faced in my life, uh, in my dating life, has been. And um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go back to middle school for this one because um, this one hurt. All right, I had, a, had a, I was I was in the friend zone with this girl. I was deep in the friend zone, but I had faith. I had I had faith in my ability to crawl out of that end zone, to climb up and rise into boyfriend status. I was gonna get my, I was gonna, ha, I was gonna, I was gonna have a girlfriend for the first time, right? I, I really felt it. She was gonna be my first. I was enamored with her, enamored. 
I liked her so much. I went on a trip to Mexico and I, w- I have a plan, right? I'm going to get her a necklace on the beach. I'm going to get a nice necklace on the beach for her that they sell on the beach, right? With my own money that I earned from doing chores around the house. And I'm going to give her that necklace. And I'm going to be like, hey, I like you. Here's this necklace. Happy Valentine's Day. Do you want to maybe go get some ice cream sometime? Maybe see a movie at the Galleria? And I did that. And when somebody can say so much without saying a word, that moment where like the second she saw the necklace on Valentine's Day, you could see her eyes go, oh no. Like she had the same eyes as that passenger on that plane, just like, oh no. Just like it just went away. It's like, ugh, I gotta do this now. And she was taller than me too. So like she's just kind of like looking down at me and I'm looking up and I'm just like, oh, happy Valentine's Day. And then she's just like, listen, I can't take this. And which was nice of her. Like she, she, she was very nice. And she said, I can't take this. But I had this whole thing built out in my mind. And I, you know, I was going to write her a poem. And, you know, I had a poem backed up, ready to go. And, you know, on top of this necklace. And I had a whole, I had, I had a whole future planned out. I had a future. We're going to make it through high school. Then maybe go to college, but we'll be pen pals. And then she's like, I can't take this necklace. And that was fine. I, 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 you know, I, that happened. But here was where the rejection became betrayal. This is where I just, you know, um, my, my heart really broke. I, that same year, we had finals, you know, you have final exams. And what I did, you know, with a little entrepreneurial spirit is, you know, I took really good notes in class. So for the end of the year for finals, what I did for certain classes, I made these little study guides, these little study packets. And I sold them to students. I forget if it was like for five bucks or 10 bucks. And, you know, I made like a good, decent chunk of change selling these study guides to kids. Turns out, you know, this girl that I had a crush on, right, my friend even, told on me. And I got called into the dean's office. And I had to return all of the money to all of the students because I'm not allowed to share notes. And I'm like, yo, this is America. Let me, why are, you, why are you trying to keep me, a small business owner, down? My parents are spending so much money for me to come here. Let me try to get a little bit back from these other kids, you know? And I'm doing good. I'm, I'm providing a good product. And it wasn't even that I got caught. It was the fact that she was the one that turned me in, you know? It's like just when you think you know someone, just when you think you know someone, they come in and they go, no, you broke the rules, and I believe in the rules more than I believe in our friendship. And that just cut me to my core. So, um, so yeah, that was, that, was, that was one of the worst ones, man. It wasn't even the rejection itself at first. Look, sometimes you're in the friend zone, you stay in the friend zone. That's okay, right? It was nice of her to be like, nah, I'm not going to take this necklace, right? I don't want to lead you on. I'm just kind of letting you know how I feel. Fair enough, right? Did that, did that hurt a little bit? Of course. You know, I had my hopes up, but that wasn't it. It was, it was the betrayal afterwards. That, uh, that, that, really, that, that I got turned in. She snitched on me, dude. She snitched on me. That's why, that's why I just keep to myself. That's why I don't, I don't, I don't say anything because I don't want to be the, the reason that it happens to somebody else. I'm not, no. Nah. I'm, not, I'm not turning the people I love in. Unless they do some like really fucked up shit. Like really fucked up. Like they're like a serial killer. Then for sure. Like, because why won't they do that to me? Oh, because I'm their family? They might still do it. 
Like there's like you, you you commit some heinous crimes. I'm turning your ass in. I'm sorry. That's that's gonna happen. But selling study guides? No. No. Just let me make my hundred and forty dollars, which is like a million dollars adjusted for age inflation. Uh, all right, so that's it. That's the end of uh of today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, uh listening on Apple Podcasts, listening on Spotify. Uh as always, if you can. If you enjoyed the podcast and you can uh, go ahead and give me a review uh, on Apple Podcasts and a rating, that means a lot. Subscribe to the podcast. If you're on Spotify, thank you for listening. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Uh, Leave a comment. Share with your friends. You know, that's how these things will grow. I'm going to keep doing this, and I'm having a lot of fun. I hope that y'all are having a lot of fun. Uh, If you liked something about this episode and and you enjoyed it, please go ahead and uh, comment with that. You know, whatever. Just like that feedback, that conversation. Keep that conversation going between me and all of you. Uh, I have uh, some show dates that are coming out soon that I will be be announcing uh, for the rest of 2019. As always, if you have a question that you want to ask me that you want me to answer on the podcast, you can email me. It's dwcomedy2 at gmail.com. And uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at dwcomedy. So that's it. That is the end of episode five. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means more than you know. Until next week, be good, be kind, and we'll see you next Wednesday.